fellow. Okay, so we're going to pick back up with um, uh, where we left off uh, about some things about David here. But anyway, but uh, David wrote. Remember, David's not just like, well, he's just he's just a spiritual guy. You know, he plays a harp. He was king of Israel, and Israel was no silly nation. You know, they were just like today. It's the same group, okay? And they're not. They're playing hardball. The rest of the world is trying to tell today, you know, that uh, oh, the Iranians are not gonna. They're oh, they're not gonna. They're not trying to kill you. Oh, yeah, they are. They're lobbing missiles and Gaza Strip and all. I mean, it's dangerous over there right now. So anyway, it was dangerous back in the time of David. David was the second king. Remember after they came out with Moses, whatever, they entered the promised land, you know, then it was the time of the judges and Samson and Delilah and all those whatever folks. And then all of a sudden you got Saul and then he was the first king. And then the second king here is David. David here, you're going to find out that in the book of Psalms, he wrote about a third of them. And we have those for a reason. It's not a history lesson. It's to help you today create your own history like David did. David didn't start out good and he killed Goliath and then, you know, lifespan as we hear today as Americans. We hear lifespan, expected lifespan back in the old west days was about 30 years. You know, I don't want to die with my boots on, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff, you know, whatever. And, and uh, oh. And we just ignore, because we don't know what we've got in the book of Psalms. But we're supposed to live long. We really are. The first commandment we promise. If you think about that, hmm, honor your father and mother, so to be well with you, and you'll live long on the earth. Wow. So you can see God's will is he wants you to live long. No, no question about that. So anyway, Psalm 34. I want us to look at this here in the Living Bible, starting at verse 1 here. He says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. Now he's not saying, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just going to be happy if I get blown away. No! He's saying, I don't care what, I'm, what problem is out there. I'm going to take it and I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to get it out of my way. So let's watch what he does. He says, I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. Now, that's because you're supposed to see. Now, when he says glories and grace, if you just keep reading, what's he talking about? He must be, oh, he's one of them. Oh, he's one of them. Loves Jesus too much, people. Let me tell you, you and I are one of those people because we are so thankful he helps us. You know, that's where it comes from. It's not a matter of, well, I love him if he helps me or not. That's so stupid. The name Jesus <clears throat> means Savior. You know, it comes from the word Joshua, which means save. But see, a lot of times we just back ourselves in our own corner. And we think Jesus, oh, he, he just want, he's up there seeing how well we're doing, you know. Or like that little church sign, don't make me come down there. He's already coming. You know? Whew. Anyway, we get it backwards sometimes. He said, I praise the Lord no matter what. I'm going to constantly speak of his glories and grace. Let's suppose we still don't know what he's talking about other than the fact that he says he's going to praise the Lord. I will boast of his kindness to me. Oh, now we're talking about it. Something good. So God's kind to me. Now listen, this is in your Bible. And notice, when you read it, every time you read it, it says... Ah, this is personal with you. It's not just like, well, David did that. This is you. This was actually something David said, hey, when you leave here, I want you to recite this. He was king, and buddy, I tell you what, it could be at the point of a... Because what he did, he sent these things over to the choir, and the choir had to be singing it. And if you were in the vicinity of Jerusalem, you heard all these choirs singing this. And David didn't want anything else being sung. And can you imagine today, we have a Bible... And it sounds like this is the only thing God wants us to sing, too. I mean, we sing our songs, but I'm just saying when it comes down to 
whether God will do something for us or not. He wants us to sing this one. Hmm. Well, he must be. Look at this. Let all who are discouraged. Well, I had a touch of that the other day. And probably the day before and the day before and the day before. You know, everything is going great. And all of a sudden, the phone call. Uh, Melody, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Okay. What broke? Okay. All right. Let me work on it. Bye. Mel's car's broke. Great. What am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to forget this. And before you know it, praise God, got it all fixed. It's fantastic. Regular stuff. So what he says, all those who are discouraged, take heart. Well, I don't know. Take heart for what? Oh, I know. When I get to heaven. No, right now. Right now. Look at this. Let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. Now, we're not done yet. I don't feel like praising him. Well, truthfully, I don't either. But I'm being told here for a reason. So he didn't say, well, you just better praise him or you're just not a good Christian. No, you can't stop praising him and saying, praise God. Have you ever watched one of your favorite movies? And all of a sudden, your favorite movie, when something goes right, one of them says, hallelujah. That's what we're after. Why did the actor say hallelujah? I'm talking about, you know, oh, oh, you know, George Clooney or somebody, you know. Julia Roberts, they say, hallelujah. Why did they say that? Because something got fixed. Okay. He says, here we go. For I cried to him and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Boy, I got a couple. Well, then get ready. Do what he says do here. Others, too, were radiant at what he did for them. See, there's what we're talking about. You know, theirs was no downcast look of rejection. Well, we build that into our system sometimes. We think, well, he ain't going to help me. Well, that's because we think he won't. But if we'll do what this says, and remember, this is in your Bible, he'll help you. Look at this. This poor man, what poor man? He's a king. Well, obviously, he felt at times we're in some trouble. But notice what he says. He says, this poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all, he goes on, his troubles. Wow. And he says, for the angel of the Lord guards and rescues all who reverence him. Now, that's you and I. Remember, this is in your Bible. Quit thinking these are special Christians. I mean, they're the ones that just never missed a Sunday. Do you know Abraham never went to church? No, there was no church. Jesus and his group, all the multitudes, they didn't go either. They were all thrown out of the synagogue. They couldn't go. They just followed Jesus around. But see, you can just, all the way to verse 7, say, that's not mine, that's not mine. And the whole time the Bible's sitting there telling you, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Now, let's watch David. This, that, that psalm goes on and on. It gets even deeper, saying there's no way. Well, actually, look at this. I'll stop here on this one. Put God to the test. See how kind He is. Now, that is an open invitation for verses 1 through 7. Well, okay, God. I'm having a little financial trouble. And don't talk to me. Talk to the Lord. Do what he says here and watch what happens. And guess what? Theirs is no downcast look of rejection. And guess what else is going to happen? You can't help but tell somebody. Because you can't explain it. You'll go, it had to be him. Because I did what he said do and it worked. Now watch David. Now we covered this last week, but... uh, uh, But I want you to see this again. Just part of it. Now, David is who wrote that psalm. So here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is where, well, he showed up, he showed up a couple of chapters prior to this. <clears throat> but he's still a little kid here. Now, this is David and Goliath. 
So we're not going to cover all this, but I want you to see the words David said. Come down here to where he beats this guy. David says to this huge nine-foot guy, David shouted in reply, You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name. No, David had a slingshot. Well, yeah, he had a slingshot. But David said, I come in the name. You have his name. It's the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven, of Israel, and the very God whom you have defied. Today, boy, I, I hope you get this. You need to expect him today. Now, that's nothing but faith. You're watching your favorite football team. Mine's Alabama. I cannot believe Tennessee is ahead in the fourth quarter. Do I turn the TV off and go, well, it's hopeless? No, I'm going to watch the fourth quarter and I'm going to scream like crazy. Because I'm not throwing in the towel yet. It's the same thing. We do the same stupid thing sometimes. We just go, oh, I guess, you know, God's not... Don't do that. David didn't grow up. He still, you know, the verses above it still says, am I a dog? That's what Goliath said. Kid, am I a dog? You want to come out here and beat me up or something, you know? Well, David really did, but here's what he did. Anyway, he says, today the Lord will conquer you and I'll kill you and cut off your head. Remember, he did all this. And I'll give the dead bodies, look at this, of your men to the birds of the air and the wild animals. And the whole world will know. Look at this. See, this is the part that we have to stretch out and use our faith because we feel like, well, I don't want to get in God's turf here. Yes, you do. You need, we, God wants to do things like crazy and help you. Little tiny things, huge things, it makes no difference because he wants you to not be able to contain it. And you tell other people about Jesus. David said here, he said that, that the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And you can replace that with you. Israel actually today is you as well. I mean, it's easy to prove that. I mean, what do we got the details for us first? There is a God in Israel. Anyway, Israel will learn, you know, that the Lord's going to do this. <clears throat> now, of course, we realize that happened. Now, let's go to this next chapter. Watch what happens next. That's in the... Uh, 17th chapter, now watch this. Remember, we read about David said, I'm always going to escape. You know, the Lord will always get me out of trouble. Watch this. After King Saul had finished his conversation with David, David met Jonathan, the king's son, and there was an immediate bond of love between them. Jonathan swore to be his blood brother and seal the pact by giving him his robe and his sword and his bow and his belt. Now remember, David still didn't grow up yet. He's still 12 or 13 years old. King Saul now kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home anymore. He was Saul's special assistant, and he always carried out his assignments successfully. I mean, what's all this about? Oh, but anyway, watch what happens real quickly. Because I, I tell you what, Saul's going to try to kill him, okay? And obviously he won't die. <clears throat> so Saul made him commander of his troops. He's still just a kid. A, an appointment that was applauded by the army and the general public alike. I mean, everybody loved David. But something happened when the victorious Israeli army was returning home after David had killed Goliath. Women came out from the towns along the way to celebrate and to cheer. Aren't you glad the Bible speaks of women? And they speak about women in the proper way that we do today. Sometimes we get this idea that God doesn't know. He doesn't know somebody's beautiful. Let me tell you something. About three chapters later, there's a guy by the name of Nabal, and he's a hothead. But he's married to Abigail, and she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Scripture says so. She's, she's a knockout. Okay. Anyway, the story goes on to tell us that uh, Nabal, who's a hothead, he treated David and his army disgracefully. And David said, well, 
God strike me dead if I don't kill everybody in that family by morning. It, all his everything. It wipe them all out. So David and his men went down there because they had protected this family and this farm, this ranch. And David was on his way. Well, anyway, Abigail had found out the gorgeous woman. And she goes, oh, no. So she had already got all this food and everything because that's all they asked for. David asked for, hey, would y'all give us a little snack? I mean, we've been helping you out here. And let my men celebrate a little bit and have something to eat. And Nabal just says, not only no, but you know what. Anyway, Abigail rushes together, got all these dinner prepared, and, and was hauling it up to David. And David met her. And David said, hey. Good. I mean, she, she explained her husband's a hothead, whatever. And David said, well, I'm glad you stopped me because I had already swore to the Lord by this time tomorrow evening, there would be nobody alive at your ranch. You know, my men were going to wipe everybody out. Anyway, so Abigail was real thankful or whatever. Anyway, that night was so funny. She went back and she didn't tell her husband what she'd done in the morning because he was <clears throat> had a little party and he was drunk out of his mind, whatever. In the morning when he woke up, she told him, said, uh, <clears throat> husband, uh, David and his men were going to come kill you last night for the way you treated him. And he had a heart attack and he died right then. David found out that she's now husbandless. And so he sent a couple of guys over there and said, hey, you'll be my wife. And that's what happened there. And that's where that name Abigail comes from. I mean, this is good news stuff. But the important thing is, is that God, why did God, why did God bother to say she was very pretty? Because she was very pretty. It matters to people. It matters to men. That's a nice, handsome looking fellow there. Uh, Saul, the first king of the uh, first king in the Bible, we see King Saul. He was a handsome man. The Scripture says. Now we just sometimes we think God just don't care. Yes, He does. Glory to God. So anyway, the general public, man, they loved all this. Yeah, but the women folk, oh man, they're gonna get David in trouble a little bit here. Watch this. Something happened when the victorious Israelite army returned back after David killed Goliath. The women came out of all the towns. Now remember, the women here, oh buddy, man, they got voices, don't they? They can really sing. Anyway, they came along the way to celebrate and to cheer for King Saul and were singing and dancing with joy with tambourines and cymbals. Yeah, he's supposed to be dancing, you know. That's ridiculous. Well, there must have been something really wonderful going on here. They didn't get killed. The Philistines were going to kill them. This had nothing to do really with, you know, I think we need to praise the Lord. You know, they were praising God, but they were happy they weren't going to get killed. Here's their song. However, this was their song. Saul has slain his thousands. Whoops. But David, his ten thousands. Oh, no. Watch what happened. Of course, Saul was very angry. What's this, he said to himself. They credit David with ten thousands and me only thousands. Next thing, they'll be making him their king. Uh-oh. Well, anyway, Saul already knew because the prophet Samuel said, you're toast, buddy. Saul already knew it. He was history. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous watch on David. The very next day, in fact, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave like a madman. <clears throat> watch what happened. David began to soothe him by playing the harp. Okay, here's where we, get, we know about David playing the harp. Watch this. As he did, whenever this happened, but Saul, who was fiddling with his spear... <laughs> yeah, keep playing, David. You know, this is what's going to happen. He was fiddling with his spear, suddenly hurled at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David jumped aside and escaped. Why do we have the details? I'm telling you something. You're going to avoid car wrecks. You're going to avoid disaster. You're going to avoid, I, I'm telling you, your path is nothing but rosy ahead of you. Oh, you're going to have some difficulties, but you're going to get out of them. You're going to get out of them. 
This happened another time too. For Saul was afraid of him and jealous because the Lord had left him and was now with David. Well, let's see, that's chapter 18. If you keep going, and we're, not, we're going to skip a good bit here, but I want to show you some stuff. Uh, let's get over here to uh, 20, actually I'm going to start 23. David has completely fled from Saul. Saul has lost his mind. Saul doesn't even care about the other armies that are trying to attack Israel. He wants David dead. But now I want you to, I want you to see over and over again, David escapes. <clears throat> Let's come down here to the last part of, this is chapter 23. This is so fantastic. What's this? Uh, okay, let's see what we can get into. Uh, basically, David was in South Huntsville. Okay, we're going to say the wilderness of Manoah, south of the desert. <clears throat> Saul followed them there. Now Saul had his army, David had his army. But Saul had a bigger one. Watch this. He and David were now on opposite sides of a mountain. One over here, one over here. Okay. As Saul and his men began to close in, David tried his best to escape, but it was no use. Now, he's talking about David. In other words, you ever felt like you were toast? You're trapped here, buddy. You're, watch, this is just a miracle. And you have the details because you're never going to get trapped either. Watch this. But just then, a message reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel in. Israel again. So Saul quit the chase and returned to fight the Philistines. David got away. And he'll always get away. It's the reason David said, you'll get away too. Now watch what David did. Well, I guess Israel, he just got lucky. Well, then why did David bother to do this? Look what he says. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called, look at this, the Rock of Escape. Now, if we were touring through Israel right now and we found this site, Oh, the tour guide says, hey, this is the place where, the little story, whatever, it's called the rock of escape. Would we say, well, sometimes you can't always depend on that, you know? Well, why did they bother naming it the rock of escape? You can depend on that. Now, oh, uh, let's see. Now, David went and he's, he's hiding in these caves. Now, watch this. I have to read this chapter here. You got you to gotta have this one. Oh. Uh, Am I there? Yeah, okay, all right. Let me close this down. 24. Okay, so anyway, Dave, Saul went and fought the Philistines. Then he was told that David was in the wilderness of Engedi. okay? He was in New Hope, all right. So he took 3,000 special troops and went to search for him among the rocks and the wild goats of the desert. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to do what? To do either whatever or whatever. He's in the bathroom. Saul goes in a cave to do his business. All right. Why do we have the details? Well, watch and you'll see. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding in the cave. Now it's your time, David's men whispered to him. In other words, his men were saying, you got him. Kill him. Kill him, David. But of course, David's not going to do that. Today, the Lord was talking about when he said, I will certainly put Saul in your power uh, to do with as you wish. Then David crept forward and, and quietly slid off the bottom of Saul's robe. He wasn't asleep. He's doing his business or whatever. Then his conscience began to bother him. This is David. He said, I shouldn't have done that. He said to his men, it's a serious sin to attack God's chosen king in any way. And one reason is David had promised Saul's son, Jonathan, they were, they were tight. He said, I ain't, going, I ain't ever going to kill you, dad. You know. Watch this. This is really something. The words of David persuaded his men not to kill Saul. After Saul left the cave and got his way, he's just walking out. He's walking out. He's walking out. 
David's going to follow him out. Watch this. David came out and shouted after him. Now, I want you to, let me tell you, this, this, this too nice Christianity is not Christianity. We got, oh, I just, I just, I just, I, I got mad at work today. Would you quit worrying about that? Why'd you get mad? Well, somebody, man, somebody, you would not believe. You know, the Bible says to be angry and sin not. Do you not remember that when Jesus took a whip and he went to the temple? And I mean, he cleared everybody out of there. But see, today we go, oh, oh, I forgot, yeah. The Bible says, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're just not those kind of people that just fly off the handle because, would you be quiet or whatever, you know, that stuff. David had reason to be really ticked off, and he is. Watch this. David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed before him. So David bows down. Well, that's the king over there. Watch what he says. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you have seen it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave, and some of my men told me to kill you. But I spared you, for I said I will never harm him, for he's the Lord's chosen king. See what I have in my hand? Remember what he had? He'd snipped off part of his clothes. It's the hem of your robe. I cut it off, and I didn't kill you. Doesn't this convince you that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting my life? I mean, David is really mad here. He says, the Lord decide between us. Perhaps he'll kill you for what you're trying to do to me. But I will never harm you. Verse 13, that old proverb, David's quoting, wicked is as wicked does. Watch this, we're getting somewhere. Remember, we have this story for a reason. Watch this. I'll not touch you. And who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is worthless as a dead dog or a flea? May the Lord judge as to which one of us right and punish whichever one is guilty. Look at this. He is my lawyer and defender and he will rescue me from your power. Praise the Lord. Well, Saul replies back. Wonder what he's going to say. Well, look what he says. He says, is it really you, my son, David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, you are a better man than I For you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been wonderfully kind to me today. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you didn't kill me. Who else in all the world would let his enemies get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king. He already knew this anyway. But he says, and Israel shall be yours to rule. Oh, swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family or destroy my line of descendants. And David promised. Why do we have that story? God will get you out. God will get you out. One last place. Take but a moment. Let's go to to the New Testament just a moment. Whoops. Same Bible. This is in... uh, First Corinthians, and I mean, you could have just taken this out of the blue and just said, you know, hey, I want to read this. You would have run across this. This is our beloved Apostle Paul. This letter is from me, appointed by God the, <clears throat> to be Jesus' special messenger, well, Christ's messenger, and from our dear friend Timothy. We are writing to all of you Christians there in Corinth and throughout Greece. May the Lord, uh, excuse me, may, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ mightily bless each one of you and give you peace. Now, He's not throwing away words here. This belongs, this header here says this goes for every Christian. 
And then he said, mightily blessed. That's what's going to happen. We keep our eyes open. We keep our trust in the Lord. When we leave here today, no matter how bad things are happening, all you got to do is just say, Jesus, woo, i got to have some help. <laughs> you know, and he'll help you. He really will. Okay. Now, this only goes about five verses, so watch this. Five more at least. And we're going to stop. Watch this. Look what he says. And see if it's not the same thing David was saying. Yeah, I'll tell you it is. What a wonderful God we have. Now, why is he so wonderful? Oh, we just, oh, we just call him wonderful. He never does anything for us, but I'm under obligation. I got to call him wonderful. That is so backwards. God created the earth. He created all this wonderful stuff, and he didn't quit and say, well, you're on your own. He's there to help us. What a wonderful God he is. He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts us and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. Now, it's not a pat on the back. Oh, well, just, just be tough. One day when you get to heaven, it'll be worth it all. That, he didn't say that. Watch this. So when others, uh, no, why does he do this? So that when others are troubled and needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. Now, I ain't going to tell anybody if it's just a pat on the back. Oh, I'll pat you on the back. Yeah, I know life's tough. That's not what he's saying. Watch what happened. You can be sure that the more we undergo sufferings for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort. And uh, Now, we're going to find out what this comfort and stuff is and his encouragement. I tell you what, I ain't, I'm not too encouraged if I've still got to go through some junk. But that's not what he says. Watch this. We are in deep trouble for bringing you God's comfort and salvation. But in our trouble, God has comforted us, and this too to help you. To show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. I'll give, uh, he will give you the same strength <coughs> to endure. In other words, whatever's happened to us, it'll happen to you, but you're going to be fine. And he says, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. We felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless. Remember, David said, I ain't getting out of this one. <laughs> he thought he was surrounded. Saul's men were going to get him. All of a sudden, Saul has a messenger saying, hey, Israel's being attacked back home. And so, boom, he takes off. We were powerless. And we were to help ourselves. Uh, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us. For he can even raise the dead. And he did help us and saved us from a terrible death. The next part says, and we expect him, look at this. We expect him to do it again and again. And he will. He will. I don't care what trouble you're facing. He will do it again and again and again and again and again. I mean, where do you want to go with this? Jonah, he's swallowed by a great fish. Out he comes. And if you read the story in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah's the one that got that going. Jonah goes, well, I created this mess. <laughs> Remember, God said, hey, go to Nineveh. And Joshua's like, no, I am not. Now, you ever wonder why he didn't want to go to Nineveh? Well, that's because the Nineveh people went to Israel and were killing their babies and killing their people. I mean, Jonah hated these people. But God was saying, go warn Nineveh that unless they repent, they're going to be toast. And Jonah was like, well, I, don't, I want them all to go to hell. I don't care about them. But God was trying to show them mercy. But Jonah's inside this stomach of this great fish. And Jonah says something like this. You know, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And he says, I'll keep my vows. In other words, Jonah said, I'll do what you want me to do, you know. 
And then he says this. He says, salvations of the Lord. And that was the kicker. Salvations of the Lord. He said, I know you'll get me out of this. Next verse, God spoke to the fish and vomited him out. Whatever. Graphic, but nonetheless. God will get you out. He will. He will. Over and over again. You can't read your Bible and not find out that you are the individual. Whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that's you. You're going to get out. Daniel in the lion's den, you're going to get out. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. By your stripes, we're healed. If we're not feeling good, no matter what, maybe our something's hurting in our body, or maybe we just got some skin problem or whatever, or it doesn't make any difference. You'll make us well. Lord, same thing's true financially. If we're hurting anywhere financially, you will fix that. And I just thank you for that. And maybe it's not something I mentioned or anything, but it's just something that's just dogging our tracks. We got some worry that we got to face here in a few days or whatever. Lord, we roll that burden over on you. We're just asking you to fix it, whatever it is. Well, Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to do like these people in the Bible. Just keep telling others what great things you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all righty. Praise the Lord.